You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Columbia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 426 of the Columbia Calling podcast. A huge thank you to Dr. Hannah Maceros Martin for her uh, input last week on the use of glyphosate for the eradication of coca cultivations in Colombia that has been incredibly popular. And prior to that, of course, we talked to Shefki Meji in the UK about his new book on Bolivia, but also travels in Colombia as well. So check out writing by both of those people. You'll find academic articles by Dr. Hannah Mazaros Martin online, very easy to find about these uh, these issues in Colombia. And of course, Shefki Meji, you'll see him all over the place. Great writing. And if you can pick up his book, I've got it here. It's called Crossed Off the Map, Travels in Bolivia. It's an excellent uh, and detailed sort of, uh, I would say, travelogue, but it, it goes further than a travelogue into uh, Bolivia. Well, yes, it's been, um, well, as we say, una, unos días movidas, so some, some very uh, uh, interesting days here in Colombia because we've had the first round of the presidential elections, and that is, of course, the topic for today's podcast with journalist Mark Kennedy of the Latin American Advice and the Inter-American Dialogue, we sit down, a couple of single malts each, and discuss uh, what happened, what took place, what do we think is going to happen to Gustavo Petro now, or Rodolfo Hernandez, why did Fico Gutierrez, uh, why, why did his support wane, and well, we'll go beyond it, the both of us chatting about this. We don't claim to have the answers, but we certainly explain what happened on Sunday evening, and now leading us towards the second round on June the 19th. So yeah, we've got three long weeks and a lot can change in politics over three long weeks. I'd like to remind you a couple of words from our sponsors here. So the Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. So there you have it. And of course, this episode is also brought to you by BNB Columbia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Columbia Tours can provide you with a fantastic private experiences creating wonderful memories of Colombia for a lifetime. Check out their website at bnbcolombia.com, complete the free itinerary form and tell them that Colombia Calling sent you and you'll receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So that's latinnews.com and bnbcolombia.com. Those are our sponsors. So we'll be back uh, right after this, with a one-segment, well, it's a second segment, but a one-segment show on, uh, well, the, the election results. We'll be uh, sending out 
the newscast to our Patreons because, of course, Emily and myself have been a little bit busy with reporting on the uh, on the elections themselves. But they'll come out and they'll be online and available on Facebook and Twitter and elsewhere. So thank you again. And uh, don't go away. I'll be back with Mark Kennedy in just a moment. And we're back. This is episode 426 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. A lot to talk about today. A lot. My very special guest is Mark Kennedy. He's on the other side of Bogota from me. We are discussing the elections. And as promised, we are discussing the first round of the elections with whiskey in hand. So I have a single malt. I've got Cragenmore, 12 years old, Speyside. And you've got Jameson. I've got Jameson. I'm not sure how old it is. It's not very old. It's not nearly as old as yours. No, no. Well, there we go. Well, we'll see how these, a, a, these affect us. Cheers. Oh, you've got ice in yours too. It's the heathens. I was just about to say that. <laughs> I, I, I'm breaking every rule. I, I'm just trying to get you as angry as possible. It's true. I will work out. I know up. you're a whiskey snob. So. I, I'm a snob. <laughs> Full stop. I'm a coffee snob, yeah. whiskey snob, whatever. Anyway, well, cheers and welcome back. Uh, good to have you on after so long. Yeah, good to be here. Thanks for having me. Let's talk about it. I mean, let's talk about what happened. We're recording on Sunday night, of course, after the election has has taken place and the votes are counted. And it's been, well, I don't know if we'd say it was kind of gobsmacking because you kind of suspected that this was going to happen. We kind of thought these things... But let's just plunge into it. Well, I've got Mark on because, well, he's a journalist. He works for the Latin American Advisor, Inter-American Dialogue. So therefore, he's been working quite a lot on all manner, all number of um, elections around the region. And of course, you're resident here in Colombia. And uh, well, we, we can sort of put it, we can compare it in part to other elections. And then we can look at it from a particularly Colombian perspective. But let's just give my listeners the overview of what took place today. So we had the first round of the presidential elections. So the run, I mean, it was meant to be Gustavo Petro, left, left-wing left uh, candidate, pulled in 8.5 million votes. That's uh, 40%, 40.3% more or less. In second place, Rodolfo Hernandez, the sort of anti-establishment, anti-corruption candidate, former mayor of Medellin, Bucaramanga, got 5.9 million votes, 28%. In third place, so out of the running, it was Federico Hernandez. I'm getting them all wrong. Federico Gutierrez <laughs> uh, with 5 million votes. That's 23%. And behind him, a long way behind him, Sergio Fajardo with 886,000 votes, 4.2%. So, I mean, let's, let's plunge into this. We expected Gustavo Petro to win. He'd been leading the um, opinion polls for three odd months, four odds. It really is, uh, you know, as soon as they started, he'd been leading. But what, yeah. what, what can we take away from Rodolfo Hernandez pulling up into second? Well, that was, that was completely shocking to me. Um, like you said, God shocking. I, uh, he had a late surge. Mm-hmm. And there was much ado about his late shirts, uh, but the polls were all over the place. So one yeah. poll put him seven points behind um, Gutierrez. We call him Fico from now on. Yeah, let's do that. And then uh, another one said he was like within the margin of error. But then he got something like 
so many more votes. He, he just sort of creamed them, like seven percent more. Yeah. It, and uh, the, so I, I just thought I just thought the whole ado about uh, Hernandez was was sort of a tempest in a teacup, and it wasn't really going to translate at the polls. And he he beat out Fico, and he beat him out handedly. And this is why I never make predictions, at least prediction public predictions mm-hmm. anyway, because especially in a country like Colombia, you you can't make predictions. People who make public predictions end up being sort of red faced and. You know, having having to explain themselves, but yeah, yeah, I learned really on so that that the um, the connection between polling data and the actual presidential poll they're always completely different, whether it's a, a presidential election, legislative, or even the plebiscite yeah. we had in two thousand sixteen. But it's radically different. Radically different. But it's one of the things is like. You know, Colombian politics is not for the faint of heart at all. I no. mean, you know, that's it. And like you said, we had this, let's say, this two to three week surge from Rodolfo, uh, uh, Rodolfo Hernandez. Let's just call him Rodolfo from here on in as well, so as I don't stumble up upon surnames. But so we had this late surge, but I didn't know if it was going to convert into enough votes. I thought, okay, he'll draw in Santander, yeah. where he's from, Norte Santander, maybe some other sort of pro. Yeah, and and the other feeling I got was that people would vote for him as a type of voto en blanco, so the blank vote. You know, okay, let's mm. just throw our vote that way because it's not fico, which is you know supposedly continuity and uh, you know allied in in ways uh, to the current uh, president Ivan Duque and all of these parties and the Uribistas, and it's not Petro because of course the stigma and the fear of the left. That's what I thought about it. I didn't think it would convert into him, you know. Five percent above, you know, almost a million votes above FICO. I did not think that. So I stand corrected. I didn't make any predictions. Here you go, there. But I stand corrected anyway because I thought it would just be Petro FICO. But then, as I was reading this morning, the column by Daniel Coronel uh, in in Los Danieles, which of course is excellent. Yeah, and he and he did talk yeah. about it. Said you know this is the sort of sleeping giant of Rodolfo Hernandez coming up behind. Yeah. And, he, and he said that, you know, Petro versus Fico in the second round would be, it was going to be an easy, easy victory for, for, for Petro. And yeah. um, um, I think we all predicted that. But now it's a complicated situation for Gustavo Petro, this one here between him and Rodolfo Hernandez. Well, yeah, I mean, uh, all bets are off at this point. I mean, I was expecting. I wasn't expecting it to win. Uh, I wasn't expecting to, to win uh, by you know five per, full percentage points. Um, and so we, I was all sort of thinking, you know, how how can Fico sort of how can he gain votes enough to beat out Petro in the second round? That's all I've been thinking about. I didn't even entertain the possibility. So I'm sort of uh, I, don't, I don't know what to say at this point. I'm kind of, but I've heard, I heard a lot of things and. Um, Fico said in his concession speech mm. that he he wants to talk to Rodolfo, uh, and he's going to throw his weight behind Rodolfo. He invoked the Castro Chavista boogeyman, saying okay. that Petro was dangerous for democracy, dangerous for liberty, and he was dangerous for the economy. Um, you know, that's the thing type of thing you would expect him to say. But uh, he sounded a really Uribista in his. Uh, in his concession speech, when um, most of the time, I think uh, campaigning, he wanted to be sort of Uribista adjacent, not uh, not sort of like in lockstep with them, which I think uh, the Uribistas and uh, his camp are going to be sort of pushing. 
mm. uh, to make alliances with Rodolfo. But the sort of conundrum for Rodolfo is, as such a dark horse, such an anti-establishment politician, do you want to make alliances with very establishment candidates, with people very high up, in fact, like at the, the highest levels of the mm. Colombian ruling class? Would that sort of undercut his message? Would undercutting his message matter to his supporters? It's, um, it sounds like if you you support Rodolfo, it's you're not one to sort of read through lengthy uh, sort of verbose uh, <laughs> political proposals. Uh, which uh, Rodolfo, ironically, he doesn't really have one. He doesn't have much of a. All the other candidates have very weighty documents. Mm-hmm. These PDFs that you pour over it take like a day to read each one, uh, depending on how fast you can read Spanish. Yeah, uh, which uh, I can read, but not uh, not very quickly. Um, so I, I think uh, in in that respect, he can court the ruling class mm-hmm. and not lose too much support, and actually give Petro a run for his money. Yeah. So I don't. Well, if we take, um, if I go quickly though to to Fico's like concession speech, as you said, invoking the bogeyman. You know, it's like oh, democracy, the economy. I even got M nineteen guerrilla in there. You know, obviously yeah. the reference to Petro back in the uh, late eighties, uh, before his demobilization. It got everything in there. I mean, it was clearly, but also, I mean, it showed Fico for who he was. Totally, there was. This has been an election thus far over yes, Petro or no Petro. It's not any policy there. It's being led by emotions because Fico really did. I mean, despite the weighty PDF, there was no other campaigning on his front by just, he was just saying, I'm not Petro. And that's what it came out as well in the concession speech. Vote for me because I'm not Petro. And it wasn't enough to convince. It's that he should be the runner-up. In fact, it was enough to show that he wouldn't win, and therefore the voters turned on him. I think uh, he, he, you know, this as you said, and then we move on to Rodolfo, and he said, "Well, you know, there's no." Who gave it, if I can yeah. sort of jump in there? Yeah. Who gave his speech from his kitchen table <laughs> in his home? In his yellow, I, I, yellow I can't polo think neck. of. So- <laughs> I can't think of anything that just like touches the the hearts of the salt of the earth Colombian voter more than that. I was like, oh, <laughs> I felt like uh, if I could vote, I would vote for him strictly because he gave his speech from his kitchen table. Well, that's it, isn't it? He's got the, every man. Uh, yeah, man. the blunt way of delivering his message. He does it on social media. He's oh, therefore he's appealing to people outside of the cities. You know, rural people, because he's not, you know, flowery talks and again, heavy PDFs. He's got one message. I am anti-establishment, anti-corruption. And that, you know, it, it rings, ring, rings the right bells with too many people. And then, then, yes, this speech from his kitchen table on his finger in his yellow polo, uh, polo shirt. I mean, it was it was quite something with bad connection. I mean, that was the other thing. <laughs> but I mean, that, that played to his favor. I mean, I, yeah. I think you couldn't have, no political advisor in any city would have advised <laughs> that. But I think it was a stroke of genius. But he's been advised very well, hasn't he? Because he's he, he's now, he's avoided televised debates he will, I am sure he will. I thought that would hurt him as yeah. well. Yeah. Uh, the, the fact that he wasn't on the mm. debate in, fr- on, in uh, was it Friday? Friday yeah. yeah, yeah. I yeah. thought it would hurt I him. I thought but, that would hurt him. 
but it, clearly, you know, he would. I think he might have been finished off by Petro in that in that uh, circumstance. That, uh, that's what everyone was, was but saying. Will he go to a debate now? I doubt it. I doubt he'll go to a debate now. I mean, what? Because you know, let's talk. You know, Petro will easily try and steer a conversation towards who's your minister of the. You know, who's going to be your finance minister and who's going to be your minister of defense. He doesn't have these names, or does he? I mean, what do we think? I think uh, I remember uh, the sort of uh, yeah. You better you better drink up because I'm like a few sips ahead of you, and I don't want to be slurring my words. I, I started on wine earlier today, so, so. <laughs> oh, I, I haven't I haven't had a, I haven't had a drop since we started this, so okay. I, I might have the advantage <laughs> of coherent thought and speech. Um, I think he'll take a uh, a page out of uh, the Trump playbook. We can mm. talk more about that. But uh, Trump didn't really have those names in the run-up to 2016. He, he just said, I'm going to surround myself with the best people. <laughs> and, uh, you know, that, that's to be decided. And you don't need to know that right now. But rest assured, the best people uh, that I can find will, uh, will be the best and most powerful sort of cabinet ministers. Uh, he'll just say, you know, I, I'm going to think about that, get back to you. But don't you worry. Oh, yeah. They'll and be I the best of the enough. best and the greatest of the greatest because they're the greatest and the best. Yeah, I, I remember that. Well, he could he could do that at the same time, but I mean, okay. So, Rodolfo, that's what we think. What about? I mean, I was thinking about this earlier today. Is that it's not? I mean, I think that Fico's main voting block, the five million, will shift seamlessly to Rodolfo because they don't want the left wing. That's it. So that puts him at 10.9 million, let's say, without any others. But Fico's going to want some return on this. You know, it's like, I'm going to want something. Now, Rodolfo, as you said, you know, sets him up as the anti-establishment candidate. He sets himself up as that. Fico is establishment. Well, in the eyes of so many, of course, because he's a continuation of the Uribismo, Dukismo, whatever else. Um, Rodolfo is... Uh, at, at the very least, he's uh, unpredictable. Uh, could we think super that he could, Yeah, do we think he will turn around and say, well, no, uh, he could, couldn't he? But And I don't think that would alienate the 5 million voters either. Uh, yeah, this is another sort of pal- parallel I uh, <laughs> reluctantly draw with uh, Trump and his campaigning. Uh he actually said, I could go on to like, I don't know what it was, like Fifth Avenue Fifth in New Avenue. York and shoot someone dead. It wouldn't affect my poll numbers. And he was right. Yeah. And uh, so, I mean, he he campaigned on, I'm anti-establishment. I'm a dark horse. I am not. I'm here to fight corruption in any way, shape, and form. I find it, uh, you know, advanced quality. Corruption is a very big problem. It, it doesn't need to be fought against. And mm. that message resonated. Yeah. But by aligning with many people who ha- have uh, had ties to people with corruption, being corrupted themselves on trial, uh, have current cases uh, open against them, mm. um, will that affect? No, because I think he can sort of sell out in, in a way and align himself with much of the establishment, much of the Uribismo and the sort of camp Uribismo adjacent, let's say. Mm. <laughs> and I don't think that he'll lose support. I don't think people will see that as a betrayal. I, yeah, I also uh, think because say, he is not yeah. Petro, and it's like yeah. the choice is either to vote for him, or uh, 
under this bigger, bigger sort of tent he's, he's, he's pitching or to stay at home because the people who, you know, it's, it's either a vote against Petro or to stay at home. So I, I don't think he, I think he's in this advantageous position where he can make these broad coalitions. He can get Uribista machinery behind him and this won't hurt his support base. Let's say the 5 million votes. I yeah. think there are, I mean, he, people might feel, you know, oh, he's he's aligning with these people who I perceive as corrupt, so I'm not going to vote for him. No, there's a good, well, I'm going to vote for him anyway because I, I don't want Petro to become president. Yeah. So I, I think that he has that to his advantage. And he, like you said, he can avoid or say no or make excuses for not going to presidential debates. Uh, I don't think Petro is as good a speaker as a lot of people give him credit for. Mm-hmm. I think he is intelligent. But his speech today... Uh, there's just long pauses. He didn't seem really prepared. He seemed to like throwing, just speaking about the seat of his pants. He didn't seem to have anything written. Mm-hmm. Uh, he gives these long pauses in between. And uh, I don't think that Petro would spank him in any televised debate. So, mm-hmm. but, uh, but but is it in Rodolfo's interest to, to attend any debate? Which I think there should be. I think it should be sort of almost mandatory yeah i think you should be obliged i just don't think he'll do it i again i'm happy yeah. to stand corrected i'm happy to stand corrected yeah. on these things so i like you said like it, there's that un, uneasy relationship with the conservative of right of center and right with rodolfo it's winning at any cost you make us uneasy but we'll be in power so that i mean that's a trump republican relationship as well yeah and yeah, and of course, Trump talked also about draining the swamp. I mean, I guess it's the same kind of uh, dialogue. Um, but Trump talked a whole lot more than Rodolfo does. Let's just say that, yeah. and, and had rallies and so on. But I, I, it's it's a fascinating situation. It's three long weeks, and in truth, if Rodolfo just shut himself away and continued to use TikTok, he'd probably just win effortlessly. Uh, I wonder. If he it's actually comes, age, but like he win. <laughs> well, that's he how he got the first... election strictly by posting TikTok. Videos. He seems to have got this far on TikTok. He doesn't go to debates. He doesn't really campaign. He's on social media. That's how he's been appealing. It's one of the, it's one of these really. Th- it's he's he's turned it upside down in Colombia. I mean, I don't know. Is he? Yes. Oh God, I don't know. I, I, I in that sense. He's like the the grandfatherly version of uh, you know El Salvador's Bukele. You know, it's like <laughs> he's a social media savvy uh, guy. But yeah. but let's talk about let's 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 move on from that because Rodolfo we can come to and what I'm seeing and what we see the two candidates that got through are the two candidates claiming to offer change in Colombia. So therefore, we know that change is desired. Well, we knew that in 2019 with the demonstrations. We knew that in 2021 with the demonstrations. The current ruling party of the uh, Central Democratico under President Ivan Duque were unable or unaware or unwilling to understand that as of 2016 and the signing of a peace accord with the FARC guerrillas, Colombia underwent you know, a psychological transition that no longer 
Are, are we looking at the FARC guerrillas as the you know combined evil enemy of everyone that will group us together and will vote en masse against this? It, you know, it lifted the veil on the reality in Colombia. People are going hungry. Inflation is at 10%. 20% of young people are unemployed. I mean, this is this is what the realities that we're living in. The the massacres. Like yeah, sorry. Something like 40% of uh, the labor force works in the informal sector. Yeah. Like selling I mean, empanadas on the street, selling, you know, like cigarettes and you know, chewing gum as, as yeah. a way to support them. Yeah. And sort of support themselves and their families. 40%. Yeah. It's, so you've zero. got this and it's a reality. And the, the, you know, the current party, again, as I said, all of those different ways, it, it just did not see it. And that's also, you know, translated into FICO's campaign because he tried to come across as tough on law and order. But again, the veil is lifted. There's a lot more to this country than the you know, long-running civil conflict. So uh, we look at the two, we've got these two candidates offering change. So I guess at the end of it is, which change will be chosen? And Petro has talked about that whole change in the, in the social and economic model, and his descriptions are somewhat nebulous. And Rodolfo, talks about corruption and, and, yeah, and, and not a great, he really talk about? he's got three weeks to learn what his policies are i think and and uh, three weeks to communicate that effectively to us yeah and, and the Colombian people and, Columbia and also voters. can we remind ourselves because petro now what what's he need to do he needs to gather the troops and say listen we hit our threshold of just under 41 percent which he kind of has to be disappointed with. You know, after so long leading, you'd think you'd have a final push. You know, we don't expect, because historically speaking, no one's ever won in the first round. So you don't expect that to happen, but you expect him to come in with a stronger, uh, you know, he won. It's important. He won. But where are these votes going to come from? It's not a given that the Fajardo votes of 886,000 will go straight to Petro. And that's not enough anyway. Uh, how many will skip out on Rodolfo in this final round because they said, oh, it was a voto en blanco. Not too many, I suspect. I don't know. Again, no. it's, it's a tough one. So, we, we, you know, it's, it's, this is definitely a bittersweet victory for Petro. So that might have translated into his, into his uh, speech this evening. Uh, and he is at a major disadvantage. So how does he convert his socio social and economic model change uh, you know we're changing colombia how does he convert that into something to make colombians say hang on a second this guy knows what he's talking about i mean i don't you know i i, I again have more questions than answers what well, maybe you could jump in <laughs> uh i wish i had more answers than you did but um <laughs> Like, like going getting down to the straight numbers, which you did, you sort of double the Fajardo camp that gets him what at 10 million votes. Yeah. Um, courting a Fajardo vote by Petro, and there's no guarantee that um, a large percentage of the Fajardo camp won't go with uh, Rodolfo themselves. Uh, that, that's a that's a coin toss, in my opinion. Mm. Uh, so where do those votes come from? Do they cut? Do they court uh, parties they they once sort of slammed and criticized? Do they court the liberals? Do they court uh, the Partido de la U? Um, I'm not sure where those votes are coming from. Um, I'm not sure that 5 million people, let's call that 
uh, Rodolfo's support base will get out and vote the second time around. Mm. I was surprised that um, I, I did a quick number crunch before this, and uh, I found out something like 39 million Colombians were uh, were eligible eligible to vote. Mm. That's a whiskey speaking now. That's all right. Um, and something like 21, 21 million voted, and it was something like 53%. And I thought it'd be lower than that because mm-hmm. this is a bank holiday weekend. And Colombians, being who they are, like to go to the <laughs> beach. They like to uh, piss off to their finca, uh, regardless of the election. But uh, they, some of them stayed. I, I thought it would be under 50% for sure. It was 53% of people turned out to vote. Um, yeah. That's despite a lot of uh, places being flooded. Mm. Um, it was sort of a. Uh, Showing what the military was doing is a bit of propaganda piece, but there were uh, sort of militaries in uh, the countryside in flooded places actually, you know, sort of like helping people walk through sort of knee deep water to get to the polling stations. And yeah, like that. I, I saw the the, uh, uh, the Twitter of uh, the military sort of leading a donkey up a, a, a muddy road with the ballot boxes, you know? Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Course, yeah. That's just yeah, a that's condemnation of Colombia's infrastructure, surely. It's yeah. Like, but no, but no, it's like that's just the heroism of yeah. our of our heroes but that's like you know we talk about it you said the 21 million voted out of 39 possible and and i think that's higher than usual but it's still it's still not high so it's higher than 2018 i believe and it's much higher than the legislative elections so we need so petro somehow needs to you know let's get more people to vote (laughs) let's get more people out to vote i think that's his only option how does he do that well, he's got to moderate his message. And I think um, if you look at his proposals, they're pretty moderate. And mm-hmm. a lot of people like to call him uh, a radical leftist, uh, sort of a chavista in sheep's clothing. I don't think he's any of these things. He's a threat to democracy. He's going to communism, uh, all of these things. And he does speak in sort of uh, in radical terms. He uses a lot of sort of leftist sort of uh, a lot of like hardcore left-wing terminology and a lot of his uh discourses but if you look at his policies really close and just sort of an, an objective view it's pretty social democratic yeah. at best things that things that you're proposing we already have in my home country of canada mm-hmm. it is not considered radical uh things like you know going on in sweden in the nordic countries uh just sort of the welfare state he pledged not to um to nationalize any industry, he made a big uh, he made a big show of it. Where he went into a uh, uh, he went into a notaria and he had this document saying, "I have this letter saying that I pledge, promise not to expropriate, you know, nationalize yeah. and expropriate industry." And uh, I mean that would make him less sort uh, less leftist than for sure Chavez, less leftist than uh, Castillo in Peru. Um, so it's it's all very social democratic in my opinion. It's it's, it's more center left. Strictly yeah. talking about his economic policies, he wants to transition away from fossil fuels. Uh, if he does it correctly, uh, that's a huge, big F, huge mm. F, in fact. Um, but that's a good thing. Uh, we need to do that if we take climate change seriously. I, I do believe the science behind that. I think climate change is a big <laughs> deal, and I think developing countries need to get need to get behind it. Uh, so he needs to start moderating his message, and he needs to decide to say, "Look, uh, these are not scary, huge left-wing things that are going to radically alter the economy and society, but it's going to make it better. We have a future. This is the change you're looking for. Mm. Is that enough to get a lot of? Um, I don't know if that's enough to get 
enough uh, moderate voters mm. for how the farhadistas let's call them uh, to his side. I, I mm. think uh, at this point, I, I have a gut feeling. I have nothing to base it on that. Rodolfo has a slight advantage going yeah. into into June nineteenth. No, I feel it. I feel that that advantage as we sit here on Sunday evening, and uh, who knows what's coming out tomorrow and what next thing. I know that Rodolfo has a court case coming up. Uh, I think it's in. I think there's a hearing in June, and then in July is the actual case. And there's something around corruption and, and waste disposal contracts in Bucaramanga and stuff. But again, I mean, it's 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 after. I mean, it could be a sitting president who's then facing this. Um, and of course, then you've got the the whole Piedad Cordoba issue with the the cash coming down from Honduras. She's not really even in his government anymore. I mean, they've distanced themselves, and he answered that question outright to Fico on that uh, on that debate when when Fico came at him, and it was supposed to be one of those uh, suggestions that Fico came at him with knives, you know, saying, you know, if she was proven to be guilty and if this and if that, if that, would you extradite her? And how did Petro respond? Yes. There is no answer better than that. Yeah. I mean, there was no comeback to that. And It was and, supposed to be like the sort of, uh, you know, the knockout punch. Yeah, it really wasn't. It wasn't, <laughs> it wasn't yeah. at all. So you sort of look at this. Okay, they both got sort of these, these, these elements, these uh, skeletons in the closet. Uh, what's going on? What's going to happen? I don't know. Uh, uh, Rodolfo has been brought up on charges, never found guilty numerous times, numerous, numerous times. And I, you know, okay, is he a Teflon guy? I don't know. I don't know if it's, I, I don't know enough about Santanderian politics and Bucaramanga yeah. to be able to make decisions on these things. Uh, we do know that in the next three weeks, the corruption case will come up and it'll become a center point. Also, his slap. Of an is it was an an aide an assistant? He I think it was a, a city councilman. Uh, so he slapped him. Uh, was it four days in jail or something? Was there some sort of suspended sentence? <laughs> I, I, like you are not up on my book of my politics, <laughs> well, but uh, I, I know he's he was suspended. Uh, I did I did not know he did jail time. Yeah, well, I don't think he actually spent it. Uh, but I think at the end of it, that that won't alienate anyone. They'll be like, because again, the, the, the same people are saying, well, yeah, the guy deserved it, <laughs> probably. I mean, that's. I was going to say that slap probably worked in his favor, <laughs> and he might end up slapping someone else. I'm sure he probably uh, Before will. June 19th. Yeah, he's And not, I uh, think that would, uh, that would, yeah, he's actually he's actually slapping down corruption. Slapping. Literally, literally and figuratively. But it's, it. so I think he does go definitely into, into it as we speak today as. As the front runner, despite being behind in you know in today's uh, let's say percentage of votes counted and so on, but we, we just take into account Fico and Fajardo. Uh, this these go to Rodolfo. I I don't see any other way around it than that. Um, and let's uh, put this from in perspective. I think twenty four hours. Think yeah. this time yesterday. Would you have envisioned that you would be saying that? Rodolfo Hernandez has the advantage <laughs> going into the second round. Listen to the words coming out of our mouths. Yeah, but I said, I did say that talking. over dinner yesterday. I did say if Rodolfo gets into the second round, it's going to make life incredibly difficult for Petro. But there was a caveat there. <laughs> I, I still believe yeah. that Petro would win. I still believe that there would be a move, you know, perhaps more. But again, you know, now... Now we're in a totally 
we're in new ground. This is <laughs> this what is a different dimension. In a different dimension. Very nice. So, uh, so let's put this into Latin America as a whole. You do a lot of reporting on Latin America as a whole. And uh, some of our colleagues in the press are very eager to put in, you know, comparisons, uh, uh, this left swing uh, in Latin America. And then they always make... Uh, oh, yeah. The, 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 you know, the reference to Castillo in Peru and, and Boric in, in, in Chile... I, and I don't see that as, you know, okay, Petro was in the M19 guerrillas and he demobilized, I guess it was in 1990. He he spent time in jail, paid time. And then he's been an establishment opposition figure since then, aside from the, the years that he was mayor of Bogota. I, I would call him establishment. He's a, he, you know, he's not really like the new left, He's not really like Boric, you know, coming out of student activism into it. He's kind of the crusty old left, you know. <laughs> it's a, uh, and and then Castillo, before you jump in, is we're talking about. There's for me, Castillo has more in common with Raúl Fernández, not politically, but by being complete outsiders. That's all. <laughs> yeah, if you want to make comparisons, I would uh, I would say, like you said, there is a sort of a new and an old left. Uh, mm. When uh, when Boric got elected, he was. Uh, uh, Maduro, Nicolas Maduro got on, on Twitter and congratulated him, him and he said, uh, he, and uh, Boris response was very snarky and said, uh, you know, I don't think we're going to be, uh, paraphrasing here, but don't <laughs> think we're going to be friends or allies when you and your security forces have killed thousands of people extra judiciously. Mm -hmm. So he kind of sort of smacked him down. Um, Petro, although he is sort of the old left, uh, he, he has been an anti-corruption crusader, quite effectively so. Um, he's done his best work in opposition. Yeah, uh, he was uh, he was one of the, the two figure, two or three figures who exposed the uh, sort of uh, the, the uh, Oliti. I'm not going to say it right here. Where they exposed um, paramilitaries uh, connection para to a lot of uh, para politica. <laughs> yeah. I'm losing my Spanish as well as my ability to speak coherently. Well, you have a child, and so you're, sp you're speaking only yeah. English to him. So there you go. Yeah, and uh, he he gets me up at five o'clock and saying, "Look, it's light outside." So oh god, yeah, I know that. <laughs> I know this all too well. Uh, this hence yeah. we are recording at night. <laughs> so yeah, that was, uh, but that's what are you doing, Daddy? Yeah, what are you doing sleeping? It's daytime it's, now. It's, 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 the blinds. Come on, it's, it's it's a long weekend. But that point you made over the long weekend, I think it was interesting because I really thought, as you said, that, that the Colombians were going to go down to their fincas in Anapoima and Apulo yeah. and all of these places and not, and not worry On about it. But they didn't. You know, they stayed home to vote. I mean, that's uh, it, it says a lot. Ordinarily, I don't think they would do so. I think they do. But as a small business owner with hotels, I am... Um, annoyed of course that the elections were held over a long weekend because it's ruined yeah. entirely the whole long weekend for us because you know we actually have no reservations because everyone needs to vote so there you go but i, I it's and just, you have a lot of people from uh antioquia i think it was oh we do yeah yeah, yeah no. I, I think they all stayed home to vote for fico i think they did because um, it's the only place he won was antioquia is it was yeah. amazing to look at that map actually and see the yellow of hernandez and the sort of darker orange like a burnt orange of petro and this is all 
pinky hue of just just Antiochia yeah. for Fico. And um, I don't know. I don't know. What, what do you think? I, do you think he's going to strong arm Rodolfo into some into some sort of agreement? Do you think he's going to try and get into that government in some way? I, I don't know. Uh, you say, listen, the, the five, my five million votes, they do count for something. I, I And also, I'm, I'm sure as well, I was saying, you know, okay, the corruption case will take front page. Uh, Rodolfo's age at 77, a frail 77, I would say as well. Uh, his age, the corruption case, the lack of preparation in policies, these are all in his contra. I was also thinking. Um, I don't know if they're in his, in his contra. Well, okay, yeah. Uh, I think a lot of people have already made, made up their minds, and mm-hmm. um, I, I I don't think uh, you know either not attending a debate or a corruption scandal, which he's he's going to call a sham. He's going to call it rigged. He's well, in fact, use it. He'll, he'll use. Uh, yeah. You know, this is the this is the political elite trying to smack me down. This isn't real corruption. I'll show you what real corruption looks like. <laughs> I think he'll use all of these things that are in his, like, that would seemingly be against a reasonable candidate. I, I don't think, I think mm. he is a bit slippery mm. in the way that Trump is. And I, I don't think this will hurt him a whole lot. And like you said, like 24 hours ago, I never, like <laughs> you sort of, uh, you had the uh, sort of wherewithal to sort of, picture this scenario i didn't so i'm sort of gobsmacked and um i'm at a loss to think uh how petro is going to make up the yeah the votes because i, I don't think uh that rodolfo can do anything that will hurt him yeah and i think, I think he is a, a trump figure in that way and he can align with people who he has previously criticized as the elite the crop the people he's against hmm. uh he can do that uh, cleanly and not lose much uh, or have any support whatsoever. And that puts, you know, like Petro in the bind of mm. how does he make up those votes? If uh, if that camp um, doesn't pull in 10 million votes, uh, how, how does the Petro camp make up for the sort of 2 million votes that are short? And I don't think the yeah, accusation, Petro will make it as well. With Undoubtedly, he'll make the accusation that Rodolfo is now the Uribista candidate. I don't think that will stick. Uh, I, I don't think it'll stick. I think it'll laugh it off. And yeah. I think that I don't think that will hurt uh, if, um, you know, when, when Rodolfo denies that he's the Uribista candidate, I don't think that will hurt him as well. Yeah, it's because I, they, they, they would vote. I mean, I think Uribistas right now would vote for Stalin <laughs> if it meant that uh, Stalin went, uh, you know, center right, right, represented sort of the right wing. They would vote for uh, Hitler. And speaking of Hitler, uh, there's a really good uh, sort of, uh, do you want to take it? No, go for it. It was a Rodolfo gaffe, wasn't it? It was a really good gaffe, and uh, I revisited it uh, not too long ago. And uh, he said, and I quote, I am a follower of the great German thinker Adolf Hitler, unquote, is what uh, Rodolfo Hernandez said. Now, I could leave it there, but that would be being disingenuous. <laughs> I would like to add that. He came in uh, a little while after and said that was a lapse of judgment. I mixed up people. What I meant to, who I meant to say is I'm a great follower of the great German thinker Albert Einstein. Well, let's, so, let's um, start with Adolf Hitler's Austrian. Hitler, 
Yeah, he confused Hitler with Einstein. He's not a great follower of either of them. If you were a, a follower of Albert Einstein, you wouldn't confuse Albert Einstein with, with Adolf Hitler. And, uh, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, but uh, a lot of people know about that video. Uh, and a, but few, and fewer people know about his retraction and an apology and sort of well, clarification and that. Well, once it's uh, said, it's Will said, that come into it? play? Will the, will the Uribistas use that? Uh, will they try to use it? Is it a thin read? Is it is it not going to stick? Is it, is it going to be laughed off and you know turned into you know, just a slew of memes that everyone laughs at and then forgets yeah. the next day? Um, well, I'm going to use your quote in one of the Twitter feeds. It's like the Uribistas would vote for Stalin, I think. I'm going to use that. And he represented the center-right. <laughs> okay, very good. We'll put that in there. As a because I, I vote for Stalin, would you vote for communism? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. They would, but, in that case, they would vote for Petro. To, you know, Stalin, we're getting, for we're getting all sorts of things mixed up here, but that's fine. I I just said... How about you do an interview at night with whiskey in hand? Well, you know, it's a long day watching elections, although I am continually amazed at how fast the results come out here. I, it's... It never ceases to amaze me that it's I, I guess it's that there are so many voting centers that there's not actually that many votes to count in lots of them. You know, they're just like Corferias being the biggest one or something, you know. Yeah, I, I turned it off. I was late to the game. I was like, you know, going to be sat in front of it, sort of live tweeting and commenting and starting taking photos, screenshots, <laughs> what have you. And I turned on the TV and it's like, it's 80 percent. And I'm like, what the hell? It's like three thirty after. It, have the polls even closed? The polls closed like, at four. By by five, we knew. I mean, it was we could call it by five. It was ridiculous. Yeah, but they were they were giving results yeah. well before the polls closed uh, because I, 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 this it, happens they, every time. I'm sure they're giving caveats, but yeah, it's going to be sad. Like if you're going to cover it, quote unquote, cover the thing, and you want to be there from the start, you need to just be sat in a chair at at twelve o'clock. Hmm. Let's, okay. I won't make that same mistake again. In four more years. Listen, now, let's um, let's take this. Weeks. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, two, three more weeks, and then that one. Um, let's take let's take Petro's position. Uh, okay, so he's going into the second round, nineteenth of June, as the underdog. Can you imagine? He loses. What does he do then? What's left for Gustavo Petro after three runs at the presidency? I mean, he can't he's, be. He, in his, uh, he's in his mid sixties. Yeah, like sixty-six, 60s. I think, or sixty. Yeah, I think he represents a movement, and I don't think there's a clear successor in that movement yet. Uh, it could be Francia Marquez. She needs a lot of work. Uh, she was uh, gaff prone uh, leading up to, to the. Uh, in some of the debates and some of her speeches, uh, she contradicted herself in in one in one debate. She talked about the threat of German egg imports in another, which is complete a complete fabrication. Hmm. Uh, so she's the rising star of the progressive movement. Uh, she needs a lot of polishing, hmm. and she, she could become a better speaker, in my opinion. Um, does it split in half? Do people say, uh, you know, you've had your three, your three strikes are out kind of thing, Petro, or does he go again? Uh, is there is there a schism in the progressive movement in Colombia saying, uh, look, you know, let Petro try for a fourth, while you know younger people say, no, he's done, he's out. Uh, let's get let's get behind um, the only successor I see, which would be Francia Marquez. Uh, let's get get behind her. 
have a new blood, mm. uh, give her a shot. Um, really can't say at this point, but I, I, I could see it. I, I, if I were a betting man, I'd say that uh, um, there would be a schism mm -hmm. in the progressive movement, and that would hurt them in the election. And no matter who ran, if they weren't running as a united front, they would lose yet again. So, it's, you know, the left over and over and over and over again is basically we're seeing you know these self uh, fulfilling prophecies of, of of the left always splitting up and saying you know I, on the one hand yeah. i think that you know petra would say okay all right yeah, if it was reasonable i say oh you know okay time for me to step down and allow really? us and then on the other hand i think no there's just no way because there was no way he was letting anyone else run this time either there was no way that fresh blood was going to come through this is always petros you know that so i i get that feeling i think i i err to that side more it's like he he's he's almost getting to that sort of almost the herman vargas yeras point of i deserve to be president now <laughs> you know yeah. that, that kind of feeling I should be president and don't fuck this up for me. Columbia. This is it's, my time. It's that, it's that kind of thing. And I, I don't know. It's, and he's, he's that arrogant though. He, he, he is. He's, he's, he's an arrogant guy. He, you know, he, he comes to hubris. Mm. Uh, he thinks a lot of himself. Uh, he's not a humble guy. Nope. In any way, shape or form. Nope. Um, for that matter, he's not a good manager. Um, I don't, and, um, he wouldn't be able to, even if he had a majority in Congress, I don't think he would be able to enact his political project or he couldn't do it effectively or he, he, he would mess it up in some way because I, I remember how he governed uh, Bogota and I'm sure you do as well. Um, he got a lot of votes in Bogota. Mm -hmm. A lot of people just sort of accustomed to Bogota being Bogota, but um, he, he made transportation worse. He made the graduate system worse. Now, he was hounded by an overzealous uh, procurador, uh, inspector general, who did sort of boot him out of office now and then. You couldn't, you didn't know if Petro was actually governing the city from one day to the next, uh, depending on, you know, the winds of... Uh, Guy, uh, Alejandro Ordoñez, Ordoñez. So, yeah, yeah. from Santander as well. There you go. Uh, yeah. He ran for the president, but fortunately, was you know. Uh, he fortunately, was he got he got crushed. But in, he was an extremist. Yeah, he, he wanted was. to go. He wanted to tear up the peace agreement and go back to war. Like, also, he burnt books. That guy. I mean, he was. He yeah, was he that. was. Uh, <laughs> he was. He was quite fundamentalist in that respect. Uh, um, well, here's a, yeah, an, he's, an anecdote. He's a brown shirt. I uh, I was at a wedding many years ago where his son-in-law and daughter were at, and I was I couldn't I I was seated at a nearby table and I just couldn't stop. She looked just like him, his daughter. <laughs> so, Yikes! Really? And I, of course, and our politics are not aligned, <laughs> are not aligned at all. I just I I, uh, uh, I had to actually move a little bit further away. I was like because they were talking politics, they were talking all about. And I'm it. sure the vitriol was. Oh, it was there was. It was, it was, yeah, it was just, it was nasty, you know, it was these unkind, unkind people. Anyhow, that's a, that's a side note there. I, this is that whole point. This has hindered, uh, obviously, Petro, his time as mayor of Bogota. It gave him obviously notoriety and so on, but it's hindered him because he, he is known to be a poor man manager. He is known to be poor at delegating. And yes, he thinks a lot of himself. And so I, I wonder, you know, I wonder, is he, is he, could he eat enough humble pie to come out and appeal to further voters? I don't know. 
You know what we didn't see that everyone was was predicting, and I think you even said that it was a certainty. What was that? Was the cry of electoral fraud? Oh yeah, we didn't see. But I figured. I figured that if he won outright, you know, like I mean, like today, not not the fifty one percent, he wouldn't cry fraud. But if if he was lower than the forty percent always predicted, I think he was going to cry fraud. Uh, I think it's coming. um, I think so. In the next one, when Uh, he does, when he you know, it has a very possible chance of losing. Mm. I think he'll cry fraud then. I thought that it might, I thought that um, Fico might uh, might bring it up. Uh, because, uh, you know, they were waiting on his speech and it was like any minute now and then half an hour passed. And uh, I'm sure they didn't know, but uh, I think it was like, he's, you know, Fico's taking a long time to uh, say a few words to his uh, his uh, campaign central there. And I thought maybe he'd bring it up, he didn't. Um, Sort of I thought so too with the delay. Well. I thought with the delay he was going to come like, out. And is say it something. coming from his camp? This time? Yeah, I thought he was going to, but no. Unfortunately, there was none of that shout. Yes, um, I still, <laughs> I still think at some point, like you, there will be a cry of electoral fraud. We've had it once. That ups the ups the, uh, the you know reduces the 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 probability, ups the ups the possibility of it happening. I think so, uh, definitely. I, um, but as we say, we're in a tangled up time right now um what we're looking at now the complete outsider rodolfo hernandez going into the second round as of sunday night despite him coming second today he's going into the second round i think as as favorite and i would say that petro is going in with a great disadvantage um he did learn four years ago, that the left-wing vote is not enough to carry him through to win the presidency. Therefore, in that loss to President Ivan Duque, he did learn that he needed to moderate somewhat. He brought on Roy Barreras. He brought in Armando Benedetti, you know, people from the U party and, and I can't remember which else other party. And they know how to move the, you know, the political machinery. I think they are quite responsible for large voting blocks in the Caribbean coast. I think they were able to to mobilize machinery for that. So this shows that Petro was able over four years to, to put into play, uh, you know, let's say a bit more of a, a tactical plan. But he's only got three weeks yeah. now. I, I don't know. I'm, yeah. Before we completely write off Petro, uh, <laughs> yeah, what we can say, because I think that would be premature. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think what this says is, um, you know, what this first round election shows is, is a complete and clear repudiation of establishment yeah. politics and the sort of ongoing political class and their sort of governance. governance. Um, so if we see Rodolfo enthusiastically embracing establishment politicians, Petro has done so, like you just said, and there was a really good uh, article that came out uh, called The Real Politic. Uh, it was in uh, Foreign Policy. Uh, with, uh, uh, um, very, Tim very, uh, Freeman. Yeah, it's sort William. of a pre-doctoral candidate. Yeah. No, I, I had him on the show. Absolute brilliant piece. Yeah, he, I need to... Uh, I had him on the he, show he had, a year ago. As soon as I read that, he had a new follower on Twitter, yeah. uh, me, because it was, it was such a brilliant telling piece, and he actually did... Uh, he had a thread about it, like sort of mm-hmm. talking about how he did the interviews and he got that. And that was absolutely brilliant. As brilliant as an article, I would say. So he's a, mm-hmm. he's definitely a, a sort of Colombianista mm-hmm. to watch. But if we see Rodolfo, you know, enthusiastically 
embracing the, the Uribistas, the, the sort of center right, the conservatives. Um, does that sort of wane uh, for people who are, might be on the fence or might be moderate saying, well, look, he, he campaigned as an anti-establishment dark horse. Mm. And now look at him, you know, you know, breaking bread and clinking glasses with Uribistas, uh, you know, the, the conservatives party, everyone in that sort of camp. Uh, is he really the anti-establishment dark horse that we thought he was? Is he going to tackle corruption when so many people uh, that he's now breaking bread with in that camp uh, have been either accused, convicted, or under investigation for corruption? Uh, will, will that will some of the veneer of his outsiderness that has been so appealing to voters will some of that rub off uh, to 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 Petro's advantage? That's something uh, something we need to think about. I think. Yeah, I think I definitely think it's. It's up for debate. I think my my feeling, my my gut feeling is that Rodolfo has got his message out, the anti-corruption, anti-establishment message. And if we accuse him later on as being, oh, look at you selling out to the establishment to get the presidency, I would say that the large, uh, I would say a majority of his supporters will say, well, that's what he had to do to get in. Uh, I mean, I just get that feeling. You've, you mean, we've made this Trump analogy so many times, but I just get this feeling. But again, yeah, I, obviously talking to my wife about this and, and so on, and she feels firmly that Petra will win in the second round. So, and, we, and we've discussed this. We were discussing it all afternoon. We discussed it before I got up here as we put the children to bed and so on. She still feels firmly that Petra will win. So, were there people that didn't come out? Were there enough people that didn't come out to vote for Petro? Can he build up, uh, you know, and, and and beat down some of the apathy towards voting? <sighs> There's a lot to do in three weeks, but it's it's an exciting time as always in Colombia. <laughs> is is June nineteenth another uh, Puente, a bank holiday? I don't know. I'm going to be in London. <laughs> I'm going to be in London, <laughs> but I will you're, report you're gonna, on it. Yeah, you're going to have a really late night or early morning or. However, it works out there. Late, late the night. The time difference. Yeah, it's six hours ahead yeah. or so. Um, so it will be late, but that's okay. Uh, I'm fine with that. Uh, so long as the internet yeah. connection is fine, I'll just be, sit there refreshing and refreshing and refreshing. Well, I might even go down to some sort of like, uh, you know, Colombian uh, restaurant in Brixton uh, or somewhere yeah. and just <laughs> sit. But they're usually, lots of them in London are run by Paisa. So we know what side of the fence they'll sit on. So oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> very careful about what you say. Yeah, the Rincon Paisa in Brixton or in Elephant and Castle. I don't know. I might just watch it at home on, on, on the internet. Yeah. So, but listen, let me take this moment to say thank you for your time this evening. I think we've covered most everything uh, from this we never really you know if anyone was wondering Ingrid Betancourt actually withdrew from from you know the elections I think it was yesterday or the day before she clearly uh, knew something was happening <laughs> but still got like 14,000 votes or something like that so yeah yeah she threw her weight behind uh, Rodolfo anyway no, uh, I guess she, she pulled out before the I, she did get her name off the ballot but um, she'll hang around to see if she gets a cabinet post if Rodolfo's elected. If not, she'll, you know, fly back to France where she lives yeah. uh, and, uh, you know, parachute in <laughs> in four years' time and, and run run under sort of like, you know, point zero whatever support she gets. But uh, I don't know why she wastes anyone's time. A lot of trouble respecting someone yeah. who doesn't even live in the country they, they, they seek to govern. Mm. 
Uh, yeah, and I might might mention uh, that my friend Emma's dad fancies Ingrid, so there we go. This is a shout out to him <laughs> in in Southern England. Uh, he he can't understand why she wasn't more popular, but I guess maybe she's the, the you know thinking man's totty in that respect. I don't know, but uh, uh, this is a shout out for him in in Southern England. That yeah. uh, Ingrid, to maybe Ingrid, may, sir. May, may, so cheers. Listen, Mark, thank you so much for your time. Uh, you know, busy yeah. day, busy week ahead, of course, uh, and three weeks of observing what what goes on in Colombia. Uh, well, of course, we're always grateful for our special guests to come on and talk about, uh, well, Colombia, of course, through the lens of something. This time it's the lens of the first round of the, uh, you know, the presidential election. So uh, you've been listening to me, Richard McColl, and Mark Kennedy of the Latin American Advisor and the Inter-American Dialogue, talking about the first round of presidential elections uh, with a single malt on hand. Well, thank you again, everyone, for listening to this episode 426, the presidential election special with Mark Kennedy, our special guest this week. Uh, well, I hope we've been able to explain a little bit of what happened, what took place this Sunday evening in Colombia. Uh, and uh, here is a final word from our sponsors. The Columbia Calling podcast is sponsored by Latin News, a leading source of political and economic analysis on Latin America and the Caribbean since 1967. Their flagship publication, the Latin American Weekly Report, provides a behind-the-scenes briefing on all the key, all the week's key developments throughout the region. Sign up for a 14-day free trial at latinnews.com. Also, our other sponsor is brought. This episode is brought to you by BNB Colombia Tours, experts in custom-made travel throughout Colombia. The team at BNB Colombia can provide you with fantastic private experiences, creating wonderful memories of Colombia, all over Colombia uh, for a lifetime. You can remember these things. Check out the website at bnbcolombia.com. Complete your free itinerary form and tell them that Columbia Calling sent you to receive a further 5% off their already great prices. So check out bnbcolumbia.com and latinnews.com. Support our sponsors, please. Thank you, everyone, for listening. We'll be back next week with further interesting stories, tales, news, politics, whatever, coming out of Columbia. I've been Richard McCall. We were talking to Mark Kennedy this week. Thank you again, and goodbye.